Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 39, trying to understand uh, the benefits that come from the cross. We've been, Sunday morning, we've been looking at the narrative of the cross from the gospel according to Luke, and we're going to move into the resurrection and ascension, of course, in the coming days. But uh, this, in these ser- this series, I've been focusing on the meaning of the cross and its significance for us from Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 28 through 39. And tonight, <coughs> we, we are entering a section of verses 35 through 39. You'll notice that this section begins with the same statement. Who shall separate us from the love, about separation from the love of God or the love of Christ? So uh, notice that as we read together, from verse, beginning with verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is God's word. Let's pray. O Lord, you have inspired your word. You are filled with infinite wisdom and knowledge, and we praise you, O Lord, that you've been pleased to give it to us. And so, O Lord, with the same grace that you've spoken to us, speak to our hearts today, enable us to understand and to appreciate the love of God in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. When Stephen then William Holland was eight years old, someone said to him uh, at recess one day at school, why is it that you are black and the rest of your family is white? And he said, I never realized that there was a difference in our skin color. It had just completely passed his mind. He had no idea, never thought about it. And so he started to ask some questions. He started to wonder about it. And what it came down to is that when he was a baby, his mother had given him up for adoption, and the Holland family had taken him in. But from then on, he started to ask the question, What kind of person would be abandoned by his own mother? And any time his anxiety went up and things weren't going well, it was always a story he told himself. What kind of person are you? Your own mother even abandoned you. Now, I'm going to come back to that story in a little bit. Um, And and that won't be the end of it. (laughs) But um, I want you to think about that in terms of What is the story that you tell yourself when things aren't going well, when your anxiety is up, when things begin to fall apart, when you begin to fall apart? Just think about what that story might be and and consider that for a moment. Because what we want to do tonight is try to encourage you to replace the common stories of humanity that we tell about ourselves with the story... Of the cross, and that's really what Paul is doing here. Is he's helping us? He's talking about times 
when he's talking about times when things aren't going well. He's talking about times when we suffer, even for, the, for doing good, even for doing what is right. Uh, where is God in the midst of all that? And that's the question that he's answering in this passage. And what he wants to tell us, he, 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 in this way, he, he begins by asking, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he, he concludes by saying, nothing at all shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ. So notice there's two different ways of describing it. It's the love of Christ, the second person of the Trinity, and the love of God in Christ, the Father. And so his love for us is given to us and is always in Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. He loved us and gave us his Son. He loves us and unites us to his Son. He loves us and so accepts us in his Son, transforms us in his Son, and ultimately glorifies us in his Son. It's God's amazing love for us displayed in Jesus Christ. What does it mean that God loves us? Well, first of all, it certainly means that God has an affection for us, that uh, he's... He, has, he values us. He sees us as worthwhile. He sees us as those whom he desires to be with. And we need to remember God, and, and we could also add even people that he wants to work with, his friends, with whom he wants to work alongside. So he has an affection for his people. He has affection for those who are in Christ. But I think sometimes people think, well, God has an affection for us, but is, does he really care about doing that which is truly for my good? Because when we suffer and when things don't go well, we start to wonder that. And we might separate those things. We need to understand that the love of the, of the Father for us not only means that he has affection for us, but that he has a concern about the, our interests, about the things that are, are truly important for us. And so he has a determined, and he, he's not just concerned about him, it's not just that he's standing off in a distant way and saying, oh, I wish I could do something about that, but that he has actually a determination to bless us and do us good. That's how this passage that we were, are reading began. Of course, it goes earlier in Romans chapter 8 with that great statement, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so, and what does this mean? Well, he who did not fail to give up his own son will not fail to give us all other things as well. So whenever we think of the love of God, we shouldn't just think of God having a sort of emotion or affection for us. We should think of God wanting to bring us to the highest place, as we talked about in the first message, to do good, to do good things to us, to make us like Jesus, to bring us even to glory, is his desire for us. And so... We need to remember, even when things go wrong, the love, he loves us, and that doesn't just mean that he cares about us, that he has affection for us, but that he has a determination to bless us and bring us to that highest state. There's many things, though, that can make us doubt God's love for us. And the Apostle Paul has spoken about this already quite a bit in this chapter, but but. He speaks of the doubts that we might have looking to the future, and then he actually looks to the past. And so I'm, I'm going to consider these things one by one. So first of all, he looks to the future, and he says, um, can anything separate us from the love of Christ? And so he looks at all the things that we could discern, 
or experience trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. All of these things are threats that could cause us real harm, right? And what's interesting is the Apostle Paul doesn't shy away from thinking about the threats. And that's one thing that I think that the Bible commends to us is that, especially in this passage, is that we should think about the real threats of the future. We should not run away in our minds from the things that are hard. We need to search them out, and that's what the Apostle Paul is doing. And he's giving it a summary and a word, but he's given a lot of thought to this. He thought a lot about it, and he expands on it at great length in various places in the Scripture. When we think about, we need to, what we need to do is, is to talk about the threats that we experience, threats to our own lives, sicknesses or illnesses that we could have, losses that we could experience, um, the things going badly in our, in our government, our, our economy, um, even, even things, even attacks on our shore or whatever the case may be, that we need to not just run away from these things but think about them. If we don't end there. What we're, we're trying to do is to set them over against the cross and say, can these things really harm us? They can harm us in a temporary sense, but not in an ultimate sense. And so I want to encourage you, you to, to do that. You know, it's easy for us to, to take the things we're afraid of and kind of just leave, leave them at the periphery of our consciousness. We actually need to enter into them and kind of stare them down as a way of building our faith and being able to move forward in greater service. And when we do that, we're going to find two types of things. One is we're going to find some things that really aren't that great of a threat to us. Many things we imagine uh, can hurt us actually can't. I was thinking of, there was a real um, important moment for me in my ministry um, a couple years into to when I was serving at New Covenant Presbyterian Church in Spearfish. And, and things were just got really rocky in the church. And it wasn't a big church. You know, I think we had 35 regularly attending. You know? So a few people go, go off the rails. It's like it makes a big deal. So I was like, I started to think, man, is this thing even going to hold together? <laughs> you know? And I was worried about it. And I remember I actually literally sat down in the sanctuary of our, of our church building there, in that little log church, and I just said, you know what? I'm going to think this through. Okay, so what's the worst possibility here? The worst possibility is the church fails to go on. Then what does that mean? Well, then I lose my relatively low-paying job as a pastor. I move to North Carolina where I'd rather live, be by my parents, and my, my dad has all the contacts there, and I'm sure I'll have no, a job in no time. And I'd probably rather live there anyway. So I was like, this is really not that big of a deal. So from then on, it was kind of like a point. It's like, you know, if things, don't, if things don't work out, you know, I'll be okay. And so I was able to, like, engage in the situation with a lot more sanity. Now, there's, but then there's things that are real threats, right? That we, I mean, that, that really would be harmful and difficult for us. One, one of the, the ones, uh, you know, that, that probably, probably uh, we can think about a lot is the loss of a spouse. It's if we find that a spouse that we love and care about and have affection for abandons us or dies, 
then that can be one of the worst things. And, that's, and that happens. It's a, it's a real threat, you know? It's a, something that can, can really happen. Um, I was thinking of someone, someone that, w- that we knew during seminary. And um, they seemed to be like the power couple. And they had lots of kids. And then the husband just went off the rails and left her. It really happened. And it, it was just a, it was a terrible thing. So, and it's easy for us just to, to, to say, you know, man, I'm just not going to think about that stuff. And I, I'm not saying you should dwell on it day and night. I'm just saying you got to confront it. And what you need to say is like, can even an abandonment by a spouse, can even a death of a spouse separate me from the love of God in Christ? That's what Paul is saying here. Like he's saying, he's talking real stuff. Things that can really hurt us. And what he means by that is not just, does, does, um, is God, will God still care about us? But if something I really rely on for my well-being is taken away, then is my well, ultimate well-being really in ultimate danger? And the answer is no. We've got to take the hard things of life whether it's our death or the death of others, and set those things over against the cross of Christ. That is how we exercise faith in Jesus, and that's what enables us to keep going forward in this world. That's what we have as our refuge. That we can truly be confident that whatever happens, peril, famine, persecution, sword, I mean, real bad stuff. No. No can't separate us from the love of God in Christ. Now, it's not just things that we consider in the future that make us, that make us wonder about whether or not God's love uh, is still for us or, some, or we can, whether we can be separated from God's love. It's things that have happened to us in the past, right? Because one of the, one of the things is that we have experienced suffering. We've experienced tragedies. We've, we've seen hard things happen. We've seen things that kept us up crying. We've lost people. And so those are the sorts of things that can make us doubt, God, doubt God's love in the present. And something happens like what we suffered before, then we tend to say, oh no, here we go again. Because we remember the past. Now it's interesting, that's how the Apostle Paul approaches. He goes back further in the past. He actually goes back to the Old Testament And he talks about suffering now in a past tense. He was talking about in the future. But then he says, As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. So that is taken from Psalm 44. And what what it's talking about is, is what happens when the saints are really following the Lord and then all of a sudden they're experiencing all sorts of hardships and trials. Where is the Lord? What he's saying here is that, is that we need to remember, we look to the past and it seems like God wasn't for us. Keep going back to the past. Look at the example of the saints. Look at the things that Abraham, Abraham suffered. Look at the things that Joseph suffered. Look at the things that Moses suffered. And now we can say, look at the things that Paul suffered. Right? But did that mean that God had abandoned them? Did that mean that God's purpose was not for good any longer? Did that mean that God, God's love, they had been separated from God's love? No, we know. 
And in some of those cases, we know why God brought them through some of those sufferings, like Joseph. We know that he was brought to Egypt in order to save his family. So we can look at the past, and we can also realize that that we're not the first to suffer. Many people, the saints have suffered. It is, they have taken up the way of the cross before us. And that did not separate them from the love of God. And so it won't separate us from the love of God either. And so we have this great encouragement, as um, the Apostle Paul will say later in Romans chapter 15 and verse um, 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We might have an expectation of good things. And so he says, no, what do we find? Verse 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What he's saying is is that all these things come against us to defeat us, to separate us from the Lord. They will not do so. The Lord will sustain our faith and his love will keep with us and we will overcome. We will defeat all these things. No matter how bad it gets, the Lord is going to be there and the Lord is going to sustain us. That is our definition. Whatever comes at us, we are more than conquerors. No matter how bad things get in this country, no matter how good things get, the Lord is going to keep us in the midst of it. The Lord is going to be there for us. And so then he moves to make the positive statement. He had asked the question, and then he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What he's saying is look high, look low, look at the powerful angelic beings, look at, look at death, look at life, look at all the different experiences, and you'll recognize that none of these can keep God from his purpose to bless us. None of these things can separate us from the love of God. And how do we know that? Because it's the love of God in Christ. If we ever had any doubt that God would love us, what could he say that is more than what he has said? That he says, I'm giving you my son. I'm sending him to the cross, not because I like the cross, but because my justice demands it and he's willing to pay it. If I'm willing to give up my son for that purpose, then what else would I not give to you? Nothing will be able to keep you from the love of God which is in Christ. And that's the meaning of the cross is that Christ has secured for us an unbreakable bond with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to experience the love of God forever, to be able to know that whatever happens, God desires to do us good. He's secured for us that we'll be made like Jesus, and he's also secured that we will be with him forever in glory. And that's what we need to do. Whatever you're struggling with today, whatever your story you're telling yourself, whatever thing is causing you to tell that story, set it over against the cross of Christ and tell a different story. Now let me go back to Stephen then William. So when, when Stephen and William, who had been adopted, got older, 
he wanted to find out what in the world had happened with his family. <laughs> because there he was, and he knew nothing. And so he started trying to find his birth mom to get answers. And he eventually found his, his what turned out to be his uncle. And he went to meet him in South Carolina. And his, his uncle told him that there were five kids, and four of them, uh, the other ones, not the uncle, were intellectually disabled, including the mother of Stephen and William. And the parents of these children died and left these, four, these five children. And they became wards of the state. And this gets pretty bad here. At 18, Stephen and William's mother was doing a work program with the, the institute where she was a part of, and she was actually raped, and that's how she got pregnant. And then she ran. She didn't know what to do, and she ended up living in a box, again, intellectually disabled, not really able to take care of herself, and there she was pregnant and ready to have this child. And she was, and that child was found, and she, or she was found, and someone uh, brought her to be taken care of to have the child delivered. And since she could not take care of him, the Holland family took him in and raised him as one of their own. Now, so his uncle told him, but your mom is still living. And so at age 27... He met his birth mom for the first time. And when she saw her son, she was excited beyond belief. I mean, you could tell that she had an intellectual disability. But you could also tell that she clearly understood what was going on and how much it meant to her. And so he has a video of it. You can watch it if you want. And it's really, it's really amazing. And, he, and she kept saying, my son, I've missed you. I've missed you. I've thought about you every day. And I've always loved you. Over and over and over again. Now, the point of this story is this. The reason we're telling you this. Stephen and William was telling himself a story. His whole life of rejection, of abandonment, of worthlessness, what kind of person would be abandoned by his mother? And you know what? He was completely wrong. He was telling himself a story that was totally false. And you know, we tell ourselves those same, same type of stories. But I think that what this passage is telling us is that most of them just aren't true. And one day we're going to go and we'll meet our father. And he'll embrace us as his children and say, I have always loved you. 